0: Um, and I think this applies for a lot of powder boards actually, but they're very well constructed mm-hmm. for a groomer day, like, yep. like that perfect corduroy day. And yes. so I'm really like pushing for that to have people, um, have like to build out a quiver and have your powder board. Like, fuck, like sorry, I shouldn't. No, no that's never. right. Get liver. a big E. Fucking A. I mean, yeah. Fucking a. Fuckin a. a. there you go. <laughs> Canadian A. a. a.
1: Welcome to episode 19 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. In this one, we talk with Steph Nitsch, co-founder of Palace Snowboards. Steph takes us deep into board construction, cool new emerging tech, and the inspiration for the wicked designs. So let's get to the core of it all with Steph Nitsch.
2: Let's drop in with Steph Nitch of Palace Snowboards. Steph, how's your day going this morning? And uh, before anything else, I'm going to say this. Thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your busy day, having a great hike this morning and coming on and talking with us about your brand and how are you doing?
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having <laughs> me on here. And my morning so far, so good. Um, nice. Yeah, I went on went on a nice little hike to just get my day started and found some huckleberries and was picking away and dropping them in my empty coffee cup and made it back just in the lick of time to catch you guys on this phone call.
2: Nice. What area are you, are you in right now?
0: I'm in Raslin, BC, which is um, beautiful. like Southeast BC in the Kootenays. Mm-hmm.
2: So good. So good. Ah, hike in the beautiful. Morning. Yeah. I didn't get that nice mountain air on my hike this morning around the pond. The <laughs> 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 local pond. So, yeah. Well, this is awesome. We're so stoked to have you on. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk about your background in snowboarding. Like, when, in the, when did your little... When did you start? When did you get that itch?
1: How, who is Steph Niche?
2: Yeah, where did you get the itch snowboarding, oh. and who is Steph Nish? <laughs>
0: uh, Well I mean, like, snowboarding from the very beginning. Oh. Uh, God, back in seventh grade. Nice. Um, which would have been 95, or 96, thereabouts. And um, I did it because everybody else was doing it, and it was so cool. And I was, like, I totally gave in to the cool kid 90s vibe. I was never a cool kid, but I just, I always just wanted to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So where, where was that? What part of the world was that in?
0: Oh yeah. So that was a Vancouver, Washington. So, um,
1: not,
0: not BC, but.
1: Coastal uh, snowpack. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I grew up riding Mount Hood, um, kind of started uh, like ski bowl area, which is not Quite on Mount Hood proper, but they've got a lot of night skiing there. And it it was pretty close to um, Portland and, and, you know, like a one hour drive to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I skied growing up, but I was never like, I don't know, I skied for like six or seven years and I was never like super good. And so when snowboarding came around and my dad and I scooped up a snowboard at one of those like consumer trade shows that used to be really big in the 90s, I know there's still... So I'm kicking around in like big towns, uh, big cities these days. But yeah. Um, yeah, just walking out of that trade show convention, I was just like, oh my god, I got my first board! And it was a Morrow and nice. boots, and um, I still have the board. It's no, that's um, so good. I'm so really jealous. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I rode that thing actually for a long time before I um, before I upgraded to what was my second board? It was a Nitro Black Widow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, it took me a long time to learn to snowboard. I was so scared of it growing up and like, I just, I could not get the hang of it. I am not athletically inclined. <laughs> so, <laughs> how um, many, how
1: yeah. many, uh, how many seasons do you think you went before you were like, before it all clicked? You know, oh, I,
0: I was, I was 18 until it clicked. So really? that, was seven, that was seven years. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Is it because you just
1: weren't spending a lot of time on the hill in those seven years? Totally. Like, just, yeah. Like, yeah okay.
0: like we grew up as a skiing family, but then, I don't know, around, I guess, maybe when I hit seventh grade or so, we just kind of stopped going to the mountains as a family. Mm. And so I'd only go maybe once a year, um, oh, yeah, that and, uh, maybe twice a year. That's not enough to no, learn to snowboard. No. Um. So that first, let's see. That would have been my senior, not my senior, my freshman year of college. Um, I went to school in Seattle and was close to Stevens Pass. And mm. I mean, even that year, I only made it up maybe a dozen times. But then I was like, oh, I like this. I like. I still suck, but I like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something changes in your mind when you get to those adult years and you start getting a little more independence and then you're out there with your friends, right? And and it it all changes a little bit for sure.
0: Well, it really clicked um, actually when I was 19. Um, Like 18, I was like starting to kind of understand it. 19 was when I was like, oh, got this in my blood. Um, this is not leaving me anytime soon. Um, my, my sister planted the idea in my head that I should take summer school Uh throughout university and take winter quarter off. And so I did and I bumped chairs down in park city, Utah. I got a job as lifty and, um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I remember that first day getting, um, like, trying to get to the chairlift I needed to go to. And I didn't know the mountain. I'd never ridden there before, never been to a resort this big. Um, and the, you know, my manager was like, ah, just follow the, your, the, the other guy who's working at your lift. And <laughs> I mean, I was, I was still such a shitty snowboarder then. And it took me like 45 minutes to get down this run that I and I had no idea where I was going, and I was so embarrassed rolling up to the chairlift when this guy had like he had like gotten the whole like chairlift maze kind of set up and was shoveling snow, and he like taken off his ski boots and was in his. And I was just like, <laughs> "That's good, that's I'm, good. I'm here." <laughs> uh, but that season, so that year when I was 19 I had a hundred plus day season, and oh. like you get really good when you start snowboarding 10 that's, times more that's clearly
1: normal. where the switch flipped right i yeah. mean yeah. definitely that's awesome so good
2: <laughs> the embarrassing moments of life so going, so, going so from there
1: yeah no doubt so from there as a mm-hmm. snowboarder what what happened next like did you just get more seasons of 100 days and just kind of pumping out more and more and then start to discover the backcountry a little bit or
0: yeah i mean it it I feel like my snowboard background has been so progressive, which I think probably a lot of people could say that too. Um, and that's the great thing about this
2: sport. Totally, totally.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I came back the next winter to be a lifty again and then realized halfway through the season that that job actually really sucks. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but I did a few things to get by in a ski town. Um, uh, I think I got a job, at a ski shop or like a snowboard shop doing some rental stuff and uh and then i cut i took off my senior year as well uh for winter quarter but i stuck around seattle and was interning with signal snowboards and they were kind of pretty new at the time had been around a couple of years that's um dave lee's company um and uh yeah it was just having fun kind of working for them and doing nice. some events and that's going to that what that was signal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Those guys um, are crazy.
0: Yeah. They do some really, Dave yeah. does some really creative stuff and, and he's always had that, um, with signal. But I mean, even before signal, he yeah. was, um, really trying to spearhead supernatural snowboards, which right. was under LibTech for, or Mervyn for a while. And uh, it didn't gain, well, it wasn't around for very long, but Dave's creativity was just like taken off. And when he started Signal with um, Kelly Talbot and Ian Fells, the like just the programming and like the cool events and ideas that they had up their sleeves was like, wow, this is so cool. And to be a part of this was. I had no idea what I was doing, but I loved it. And and that, you know, that further like got me into that snowboard train. Mm-hmm. Um I was working at a snowboard shop in Seattle at the time as well called Marley's. Um
2: how fitting, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, um and then I don't know. I left college or I graduated from school and I actually moved out to Park City full time. Um, meant to go to Colorado, figuring I'd get some new mountain scenery. But I, it took me like three years just to even visit Colorado. Oh. Um, I did a little pit stop in Park City to check it out in the summer. And was like, wow, oh, this place is actually really cool. Um, and yeah, I ended up sticking around there and just getting more and more plugged into, I don't know, like marketing and the creative side of of the snowboard world and the tourism world. Um, I eventually got a, you know, a big kid's job doing public relations for the town of Park City. Okay, yeah. Nice. So then we, I got connected with all the ski resorts there and um, all the snowboard and ski media and photographers and whoever would come through town to write or, you know, do a story about, uh, Park City. And then I was like, man, damn PR. Like this, <laughs> this kind of sucks. Like I want to be a writer and get me on the side where people are, you know, taking me out to free dinners and <laughs> right. letting kissing me. my ass. <laughs> yeah. <totally laughs> much. yeah. That, was, that was a lot of PR it's just ass kissing. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, um I started doing some writing and through some of my connections in the snowboard media world, I started getting my foot in the door and that crack in the door became a little bit bigger every time and um yeah, so my my background is definitely in like the I don't know, the writing, the editorial side of things and then I moved to the marketing side even more and the, like the copywriting and mm. um, branding side of things. And um, anyway, that, that cool. So <laughs> that's what, my uh, storied history. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's great though. So, so listen. when
1: did you, uh, when did you transition into splitboarding? When did you discover yeah. splitboarding? How did that happen for you? when did you fall in love with oh, powder? Yeah. Powder. Cause powder brings you to yeah. the country. Well, she's living in totally. Park City, Utah. I mean, <laughs> come, come on, man. man. She knows what powder is. Now. Does she though? <laughs> Yeah.
2: Did you know how to ride it properly?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, well, <laughs> I mean, that. okay, so that first year when I was living, oh, no. no. No, I did exactly. not know. That was hard. Yeah, um, yeah I remember but... my first time.
1: <laughs> 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 it's yeah, a man. lot
0: different than what you thought it was going to be. Way, way.
1: <laughs> that was good. That was good.
0: <laughs> um. Well, okay, so that would be... 2009, when I first started splitting. Um, I, I, not to be a downer already, but 2009 was a really tough year for me. Um, I had a lot of personal things happen. Um, my parents separated. My mom got cancer. My best friend died. Um, and I um, was super miserable in my job uh, and didn't have health outlets to, mm. you know, Like I was living in a ski town and there's a lot of ski town bars and visiting them frequently. And, and I wasn't, yeah, I needed something new and something different. And I had a lot of friends who ski toured, Mm -hmm. didn't know any other split borders. Um, but they'd always, I mean, the touring is so accessible in the Wasatch and I was just getting so jealous of my friends going out there and like having this hell of a great time. Um and just feeling like, oh, I want to join you, but obviously I don't have the gear. So I took an old snowboard and option Bella, um, and I had a buddy split it for me um and mounted the old Vole riser pucks on my board. And threw some Rome resort bindings on them, and I called that my split board. And wow. um, And it was a clunker, no doubt. I mean, it's Sounds so funny like it. to <laughs> <it's> <laughs> so funny back. I mean, eleven years ago it doesn't seem like that long ago in the sense of like time. Time, yeah, time. time. Um, yeah, but holy cow, like. There was very little in the way of like factory made splits at the time. Um, a lot of like very limited gear choices and that's just what people did. Like, especially getting into the sport, um, there weren't many like price point boards available, splits available. So the best way to do it is just, you know, take what you got and throw down 200 bucks for the setup for the DIY kit.
1: 12 bucks and, for a saw blade and, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and whatever, you know, whatever gets you up the hill. And, mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. So, yeah. how, how was that clunker on the hill? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, I didn't know any better, right? right? So, that was like, I was like, sweet, I'm out here. But it, it wasn't so much the, the gear, it was the user and my, <laughs> Uh-huh. Lack of knowledge <laughs> in how to use that stuff. And so I, again, I didn't have any split board friends and, um, I was kind of too like, in, I don't know, anxious or embarrassed or something to even just ask my friends if they could take me splitting. Cause I just knew I wouldn't be able to keep up. Right. Um, and again, Bad habits and, and not a healthy lifestyle. And I knew that hiking in the snow for over an hour, if not multiple hours, would be like a hell of a hard time. So I, I quote unquote, practiced a
1: she few did times. Some, on did some solo missions.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they were on these like packed down snowshoe trails behind my apartment.
1: Right, right. But good <laughs> practice, right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Was you can fumble about- around when nobody's looking and, and yeah. kind of try to figure out how to do that kick turn or or um, how to transition, right?
0: Totally. I'd get passed by snowshoers though cause I was going so. like, Misery, oh. slippers,
1: Misery just <laughs> slippers flying past you. <laughs> I was
2: actually thinking about that this morning.
1: And they're like oh sorry do you need help with that <laughs> riser? Here we got it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I was walking
2: this morning I'm like man I should start splitting this in the winter time where I'm walking because it's just for the hell of it just to get out in the winter. Otherwise you're like oh it's too cold out. I don't want to walk. Right? So get the, totally. board get the gear on and go do it.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do that right out of my house. Let's just, well I hear you Steph. I mean the first time I grabbed a board I mean I had been looking and everything for a long time and then all everything just kind of fell together for me in this like magical month and where i just got all my gear and really cheap and then i had a good friend of mine who was already doing the stuff and that was my first Mm -hmm. tour Tour, it was just fumbling all over the place you know And, and a guy i didn't mind falling on my face in front of right you know so but definitely wanted to to get the chops down before i did a real tour and figure out how to do everything
0: yeah and and i think that's so helpful um because you're going to get your ass handed to you when you go on your first tour, no doubt, even with practicing.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and that, that's what happened to me, too. Like, I i got invited to go on this little media trip at... Uh, Ooh, cameras. Solid- yeah, there were, ca- <laughs> there were cameras involved. <laughs> and we were at uh, Solitude Resort in, in Big Cottonwood
1: Canyon. Nice.
0: And they were kind of... T- t- like starting a new program or I'm just maybe getting some publicity for it. I don't know. Um uh called a Backtracks program. And it was um, a backcountry led uh tour hosted by their ski patrol because again, Wasatch has incredibly accessible backcountry and even right outside of uh the resorts, so like uh lift-accessed backcountry. And we were her objective was Patsy Marley, uh, peak in, um, just outside of solitude. And so, I mean, we get out the gates and like, you have to transition right away. Cause you're like on the skin track as soon as you get out of the gates. And I couldn't even get up to the skin track. Like I didn't know how to lift my legs to kind of sidestep up to the skin track. Oh yeah, And I was like, I was struggling and there's, I don't know, maybe six to eight other people on this trip. <laughs> And they're all skiers. They're all backcountry skiers, and have been doing it for a long time. And I was just like, "Oh no, this, this is snowboard. what the day is going to be like." Wow.
1: and their heels uh. are locked in, right? So they're like, "Oh, yeah, this is kind of cake. <laughs> yeah. And you're like dealing with this yeah. this dinosaur board flumping oh, around on your toes. <laughs> was that yeah. was that the clunker? Were you riding the clunker? Then? Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, for <laughs> also, sure. So good. And um, yeah, that was a that was a tough day. I mean, it was it was exhausting, and I. I'll admit I didn't really have a lot of fun on that tour, but we got to the top of Patsy Marley and it was like, oh, this is beautiful up here. And like, oh my god, look at that. Untouched pal. Like, holy shit, we're this is I gotta do this again.
1: <laughs> so was that was was that your yeah. first backcountry turns? Yeah. Like, honestly. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah.
0: But and that was fine. Like that was the easy part. Um, I mean, it was a little awkward. No doubt, wearing a backpack and having twenty extra pounds on your back. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, it was like, wow, this is some, like sweet new terrain. No one's been back here. Um, just kind of the the wildness of it, I guess. Yeah, like, understood. Something.
1: Yeah, know it, know it well. I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. So I mean, those those um, memories really stick with me when when it came time to starting Palace um which wasn't too many years later that was only
1: um, four years after i started splitting so that's (laughs) crazy so just thinking about your (laughs) storyline right here so boom four years later yeah you have your own snowboard (laughs) company so fill us in fill us in on that
0: you mean it it doesn't make sense like how i just started that for you no it does it (laughs)
1: totally does and i (laughs) love it i'm trying to to glean i want to glean trying to get some details that's right
0: well uh it was a total stroke of luck if you want to call it that coincidence um it started with a phone call from an acquaintance in salt lake who said hey i met this guy um he makes snowboards. He's got this company called Chimera Snowboards, and he's been making splits for a couple of years. And he wants to make some women's splits, but, you know, he's a dude, and he would like to have a, you know, a woman partner in this. So he, you're the only one I thought about who has snowboard industry experience. Here's his number. give him a call
1: you <laughs> called him and you said just put hearts and flowers all over the top sheet and yeah, we're good totally. make, it pink. <laughs> That's make right. it pink
0: um and at that point in my life i was like i don't know i was just saying yes to these opportunities that came my way and so this is no exception i called up alistair and um said hey i hear you're wanting to make some some women's boards and um you know at the time i was like really in mountain biking. I still am. Um, but I really wanted to see more women mountain biking. Cause again, just a few years ago, I feel like the, the support for women in sports in general, wasn't really that strong. Um, and so I was kind of putting together a little business plan to just do these like women's mountain bike clinics and events and, um, I was trying to get some sponsorships and everyone was like, that sounds like an awesome idea. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> thanks. I'm See like, you next Tuesday. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Not like, I appreciate, how, how can I help? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate the financial support you're giving. Yeah, you in, in <laughs> That's right.
4: Yeah. I'll be
2: expecting that again next year. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, keep yeah. going. That's great.
0: So I, uh, I, got, I kept hitting these these walls with this proposal. And so I just put it on the back burner. And so when, when Alistair was telling me about his ideas to build a couple women's boards, I thought, Oh, this is like the same thing I wanted to do with mountain biking, just different sport, different season. And I fucking love snowboarding. So yeah, let's give it a whirl. And we met, he showed me his workshop. I mean, he had everything, like everything you need to build a split. Um, and he again he'd been building it building boards for years um his background is in engineering so he's got that um kind of design mind mm-hmm. and um yeah he showed me his shop, gave me a couple tools to try my hand at cutting some edges and like building doing some of the dry layups of some boards and um started giving me directions on how to build boards. And then suddenly we're talking names for a snowboard company. We're talking about what shapes we want to, um, design for. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, even just talking about this, That's it just crazy. sounds like too good to be true, Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: but I, I don't know you how usually, else to say that. Like, just go it, with it.
2: Yeah.
1: You're having it- yeah, everything's lining yeah. up,
2: which is amazing.
1: So let's, because yeah. uh, I'm curious, let's talk about the name. I mean, you were talking about names for snowboard companies and then Palace. How did you come up with Palace?
0: Well, yeah, we've thrown a bunch of names out there and um, we, I don't know, we, we, Palace was in the, the running, but it was not the way that we're spelled right now, which is P-A-L-L-A-S. Um Hopefully, I don't get in shit for telling this story, but um, <laughs> there it was the regular spelling, P A L A C E, and I don't know. We, we just liked it. It was it was a good name. It was kind of fitting for what we were doing, which making you know women's boards to just kind of like rule your mountain. Um, <laughs> but I like the
2: double L because it's split boards. <laughs> Ooh.
0: Oh my God! I never thought of that. Damn. Giving me some good ideas here, Chad.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just spews um, out of me. I don't know how it works. It's, oozy, it's oozing all over the I place. Don't, yeah. I don't ask. I just I just allow. <laughs> Keep going. This is good. I'm I'm so jealous because this is everything I wanted to do. But you're yeah, doing Yeah, apparently
0: it. it's it's everything I wanted to do too, and I had no idea. But um we so we operated under the palace name for the first two years and then um Okay, so full disclosure: we totally knew that there was a Palace skateboards out there, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and we were like, "Well, they're small. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We have no. De- we have no desire to um, get into skateboarding." Right. Well, that's not the way that trademarks work. <laughs> <laughs> no um, so, it, it became a bit of an issue when we were looking to maybe take palace a little bit more seriously and we realized that we couldn't really grow the brand without running into the trademark issue and, and trademark infringements on the palace name um so we we wanted to like avoid any sort of legal thing mm-hmm. but like no one even confronted us about it but i'm sure it would have come up sooner or later so uh the, the key with avoiding trademark infringement is you can't just change the spelling of the name. Uh, you have to change the whole definition of the name. So by a stroke of luck, we, we, um, we found this new spelling of Palace, um, P-A-L-L-A-S. And the, there's like, well, a ton of different not a ton of different meanings, but some different stories maybe behind that name. Um, uh, one of which we really, really gravitated to and, and could resonate with. Um, and that, that story is that, um, uh, Pallas was the best friend of the Greek goddess Athena, who's oh. the goddess of art and war. And, they were, the two friends were playing in a mock battle, as you do when you're a Greek legend. <laughs> I <was gonna> say. <laughs> <laughs> and Athena accidentally killed her best friend. Whoops. Oh, so, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so in some Greek mythology, Athena is known as Pallas Athena in honor of her best friend. And I thought that was such a powerful, um, not metaphor, but, like, a powerful um, kind of meaning behind Ath- Athena, again, goddess of art and war, and this um, story kind of wrapped up in honor and uh, legacy and, like, and death, you know, because you, you gotta have a little bit of, like, dark shit in there. Um, but, like, this, like, love and and honor for your your friend, and, and what a beautiful, cool little story. But, um, yeah, that's that's, that's the name, cool. that's how we got it.
1: That's some deep, deep, deep <laughs> stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is, but I get it entirely. Just kind of playing uh homage to the palace, there, yeah.
2: We did a little yeah. research on our own, as also,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we found a couple different cup- meanings for palace. Like, there's a cat. <laughs> A wild palace cat. A wild mountain cat. cat. He's little, yes. but he's, he's wild. And there's some pretty oh, hilarious man. pictures of that cat. Totally. Oh I,
2: <laughs> you got to make a graphic like I, that.
1: Totally.
3: I would love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also found another meeting. that's Something about asteroids. But, what? Uh, yes. Specifically two asteroids. I don't oh, know. Look it up, Wikipedia like, folks.
0: Anything exciting about the asteroids or just... Their name. Well, hold palace. on a second.
1: I will just pull that up. I think I got it right here. Still, maybe. Um, bear with me, folks. Palace, Wikipedia. Uh, palace, asteroid or two. Palas, a group of asteroids that includes two palas. A crater on Earth's moon. That's what I found. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! And uh, palace, son of Lycon, a teacher of Athena. Oh. Interesting. Sure. Yeah, there's a there, actually you know what? There's a lot going on here. Palace, daughter yeah. of Triton. Yeah. There you go. There's
0: oh. the, yeah, there there's a couple of different um myths around the palace name in in either like Greek or Roman mythology. Um so whoever Palace was, she really got around.
1: No Me, doubt. I don't know. <laughs> but also, I start, I'm I sure Palestine, she did. You,
0: Pallas might be a man in in some other stories too. So yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's amb-
1: a there was a giant named Pallas who was the son of Uranus and Gala. Oh. in Greek mythology. Wow, there you go. Yeah,
0: very That's ambiguous, kind of very great, fluid, very
1: deep. Yes, crazy, crazy. <laughs> anyway, oh, so there's also sorry,
0: oh, I got to oh, point this out too. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a national park in Finland called Pallas. Oh. Boom. And I see
1: a Palace Splitfest at Pallas in Finland.
0: Oh my god, totally. Because also we just this spring we got connected with us with Capital Snow, which is a snowboard shop and split shop in Finland, mm-hmm. who's now carrying our boards. Um, so I definitely see um a little sales trip out to Finland mm-hmm. in a Yeah, if
1: you need a couple podcasters to come that, in. let us know.
0: <laughs> For the split fest and
2: we'll go sp- play in the snow.
0: Seriously. Oh man, it looks so beautiful out there too. Nice.
2: So I was looking at your website. It's very nice. I like how it's laid out. Like I said earlier, it gives you like things are moving, which is kind of cool. But I love the shop. The shop stuff. I got you in the shop with a little little torch. Is that you edging, or is it somebody else in there edging those pictures? Uh, really I tell. don't think.
0: I don't think that's me. I think that's Laurel.
2: Okay. I like that. I, um, I did some of that. I see the construction of a split board is way different. <clears throat> Maybe you can give us a little bit, a little bit of a uh, base up. Kind of how the difference. So he got like you got like a um, when you're sandwiching them, you put a, a like a, uh, a spleen or spine a spine in the middle. sort of explain like a wedge. Uh, I don't
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think every board builder has their own different way sure. of building. Um, particularly from like a small independent um, manufacturer. Yeah. Um, I would say typically most. Major companies use cassettes and molds. Right. Uh, sorry, not cassettes, but molds. Mold, yeah. um, and it just makes the process easier. You can batch more boards all at once. Um, and to be candid, we do get um, most of our boards built in a factory now, but we still hand build a few in our shop um, to prototype some new designs and um, for specialty shapes and it just, if people want a handboat board, we we definitely offer that. Nice. Um, so yeah, our process, we, we use cassettes, um, which are essentially just two, um, uh, metal sheets that press the board together when you stick it in the press, mm-hmm. but there's some steps involved before we even get there. Um, and building can kind of be divided into three Sections, you've got your dry layup, your wet layup, Mm -hmm. and your finishing work. Um, so your dry layup is when you get, when you get everything measured and cut. Uh, we bend our edges by hand. Um, and the edges have to be within like fractions of a millimeter to the shape of the edge of the board in order for, you know, the edges to set uh, tight. in the board and the press.
3: Yeah. Tight, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, otherwise you kind of like risk, uh, getting your edges ripped out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else do we, do? we, um, we don't make our own cores. Uh, we don't have like a CNC machine in our shop. So we do have to get some of that stuff outsourced, but we glue the sidewalls on. Um, and then with our split boards, we, we've adopted a technology that Alistair from Chimera designed called bumper edges, uh, bumper inside edge. And that's essentially a um, UHMW strip of plastic um, that is essentially sidewall material.
4: I
2: see that.
0: And, um, and we've totally replaced the inside edge, uh, totally eliminated the metal inside edge and replaced it with this kind of integrated, sidewall material that operates as both a sidewall and an edge. Mm. Um, so the result is that it's this really damp ride. And and probably one of the biggest drawbacks of a split board is just the, the rideability of it and how uh, how it rides differently than a split, uh, sorry, than a resort board. A solid board. A solid yeah. board. Yeah. And I think the ultimate dream for any split boarder would be to have a board that just like, that is as responsive as your resort board.
1: (laughs) I was going to say to have a split board that doesn't ride like Like a a split board. board.
0: Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and one of the ways around that is to remove that metal edge because when you've got metal on metal, it's just causing all this vibration and yeah. And that vibration then translates to like zapping energy and power through your feet, which Hmm. then get you really fatigued. Um and that's that's especially noticeable if you're doing any sort of lift access backcountry and you come back in bounds and you're maybe riding the trail out at the end of the day. Um and it's just like it it takes everything Mm. you have just to power through all that tread like that cruddy heavy snow Mm -hmm. that's been chopped up, you know? Yep. So yeah, this um this bumper eliminates that. It it when you've got just plastic against each other. um, Again, creates this really damp ride, eliminates that chatter, um, but it still has a lot of edging control um, that's just as good as a steel edge, um, and yeah. So th- that's been I don't know. We're really excited about that. We're we're actually launching a, a factory made board, uh, factory made split this year that does have that technology um, in like mass on a mass production so we're excited because no one does this you know chimera and palace are the only two companies and um yeah we're, we're fans we love how it rides
2: so you, you can notice a huge a, a significant difference to, enough to actually want to put this into your snowboards that's what you're saying oh yeah for sure crazy so you've actually went out and done both testing all the good stuff and give it a whirl and notice that much of a difference because i i I don't know, when I'm done riding for the day, I'm usually tired. So if this gives you a little bit of energy, a less draw out of your energy, I guess mm-hmm. like you say, that would be definitely interesting to to test that out and feel yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, it, and, and it evolved too from what it is now uh, to what it was a couple of years ago. Alistair was uh, using... Um, technology called killer bites which was a um, metal edge it was like a half size metal edge essentially just um like s- even smaller than between the contact points um contact points yeah um but again like trying to take away as much metal as possible um
2: because uh, metal yeah. does slow you the metal does slow you down it's the whole thing with the, you're on your base edge you want to be fast when you're on your edges you, it slows you down as much as you're using the power of that turn to push out and get more strength out of your turns but that does slow you down so yeah that's interesting yeah.
1: hmm learn yeah. something new every day no doubt no
2: <laughs> doubt yeah.
0: well it's you know it's pretty like I don't know I, when you look at the history of splitboard technology mm-hmm. um I d- I feel like split boarding or sorry, not split boarding, split boards have been the slowest, um, piece of equipment to kind of get with the times. Um, I, I feel like the binding companies, so Volé, Spark, Caracorum, and now Phantom mm-hmm. have really pushed the innovation of split boarding like they have been the drivers of technology change yeah for split boarding
2: there's no question that's been the biggest part that's been the slow the part that slows you down the most is that switch over totally and clunky bindings and yeah
1: so out of necessity then yeah technology has really advanced on that side but it, it seems like to me that the split boards are quickly coming up behind though like the technology people are pushing the envelope a lot i.e what you guys are doing Mm -hmm. for example
0: yeah I, i would like to think so um yeah i think i i don't know i mean it's i think it's harder to change the um like the core design of a snowboard not the the core within the within the board but i get what you're
1: saying (laughs) well there are there are some things that are going on like there's there's one company that's doing kind of a tongue and groove connection type of thing right when you're putting your board back together to give you an example so definitely see some other things happening with regards to the way the boards are connected and go together To, to like we said so that your ride is not like a split board mm-hmm, when you're when mm-hmm. you're on the ride portion of your tour. Yeah, I never, I've, yeah.
2: re- I've never read a DIY, but I've just just from the podcast hearing some stories it's like, holy smokes! Just stoked to have it strapped so you can get up the mountain and then get back down again.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> Look, I came in, I came in when, jeez, I mean, my split board, my first split board and only split board <laughs> currently is a Burton board. So, yeah. so yeah, I definitely got in on the production side of of them and never did the DIY thing. So. Interesting. Oh man, it's it's
0: all. I almost feel like you gotta give it a whirls at some point just to see how to appreciate. Good, you totally.
3: <laughs> to appreciate.
0: You know, it's like skiers having grown up with skis and then um, uh, evolving into like parabolic and then like more just shaped skis. And you have like this, like this um, appreciation for the. For what the straight skis provided you then, but this like even bigger appreciation for the growth in technology in the last, whatever, 30 years.
1: You know, it's funny. I grew up a skier too, and I grew up with the straight, because I'm an old guy. I grew up with the straight ass, (laughs) just like heavy as shit skis. And then uh, right about the time I got bored and basically couldn't afford it because I was a student and didn't have the money to do it anymore. And I went to school in Florida. <laughs> Not a lot of skiing down there, but that's when parabolics were really hitting the market and they were the shit, right? And everybody was getting those for skis. So I, I kind of missed out on that. But hey, man, that's all right because uh, the next time I was sliding on snow, it was on one board and it's only been that way ever since. So Amazing. Yeah.
0: Do you ever get people who are like, Oh, do you, do you ever ski?
2: Like when they see you snowboarding, they're like, "Do you
1: do you, do you no, ski I don't, as I well?" Don't, I don't have time to talk to those people. <laughs> no, but you know, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm Chad fucking Chad's gone. so <laughs> anti ski. Uh, yeah, that's right. But you know what's like for me? What's interesting is I, you know, I coach and I work with kids all winter long, and uh, you know, we're standing in the park, and you know, I'm watching the kids hit the jumps and hit the rails and everything, and there's just almost as just as many skiers out there doing the same thing, kid wise, and. And a lot of the kids that are in our snowboard club, when they're screwing around with their friends at the hill and they're all playing around, you see them swapping out from boards to skis all the time. just because. And I think it's awesome. I think it's great the kids are doing it. I am not anti-skiing because I grew up as a skier. All four of my kids, uh, you know, they skied before they snowboarded. Enter Chad's comment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I've said it enough. But, uh, <clears> but yeah, <throat> I'm good. I'll keep, I'll keep to I keep it myself. I think it's important for kids to get that base, you know. And I mean, yeah, it, it's not necessary. I get it. But anyways, whatever gets them on the hill, I you know, I appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate watching a, a, a mad skier rip down the hill. You know, I think it's awesome when I can. I think it. Anything that anybody does really well is easy to appreciate, and I love watching it. And I, nothing against skiers at all. Yeah, but. Yeah, no, I don't get I don't get that too often. People asking me if if I ski, and you know, and it's funny because uh, when I got a split board, it was like learn to ski your split board was the rule that I heard right. Like take it to the hill, you know, put your skins on if you want, but just like learn to ski that thing in ski mode because there are times when you need it. And uh, before I actually got into snowboarding, I was really falling in love with the idea of telemark skiing. And I used to watch these videos of these guys out west just pounding pow, just getting face shots like crazy. And I'm like, that, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And, you know, finally got a split board. And, and then when I learned to ski it, I love the whole telemark turn. I'm a big fan. Love doing that <laughs> when I'm in tour mode. So that's about as close to skiing as I get. <laughs>
2: now he wants to go hard boots. He's going right back again.
1: Man, I love the hard boot idea. The more and more I hear <laughs> yeah. about it, the more I think uh, yeah. I, the more I think it, it is the way to go. Although I'm 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 a little turned off. I think by the ride part of it, but uh, you know what? I haven't tasted it yet. So, you know, Mama always said, <laughs> "How do you know you don't like it if you don't try it?"
0: It's true, and I I know many people who try it and are converted right away. I I personally haven't hard booted before, um, but. You know, one of our team riders, hard boots, Alistair, used a hard boot. He actually swapped back to soft boots. See, now um, that's being... interesting.
1: That's but, really but, interesting.
0: But with a caveat, like, the Wasatch, like, so much of, you know, just, like, day-to-day kind of touring, um, you're not really getting into, like, high alpine, like, big objectives. Exactly. But he will, like, he'll leave his hard boots for, like, a bigger day if he's doing a bigger, like, alpine... Um, mission in the, the Wasatch. Um, you know, he's always doing trips up to Canada. Like, he'll always take his hard boot set up up there. Um,
1: yeah, because everything's cause, gnarlier in Canada. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's funny you're laughing, yeah. but you you live here in the
1: summertime. So I know, right I love now. it. <laughs> no,
0: i not like I I love it here. Please don't take me back to the states right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I'm a dual as well, so I'm, I'm much happier up here. Yeah. not this guy. Yeah. Crazy. So can we can we touch on the the gender thing real quick? Because uh, you know, Palace is you know for all intents purposes a women's sn- splitboard or snowboard company. Um, I'm kind of curious what how does it get that label like how how what what makes a woman's splitboard or snowboard?
0: Well, I think we should go back a little bit and ask why.
1: Yeah. First. Okay, and, there you go. Great question.
0: And that goes back to, you know, 2013 when we started Palace. Um there just there wasn't there wasn't anything for women out there. Um and again, like the support for women in sports, I feel like, has just always been lag- lagging behind. Um, but very you know, very few women's products um, for the board, for the bindings, for the um, clothing, you know, the, the gear itself. Um, very few other women splitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so like really lacking role models and influencers to help inspire other people to get in or other women to get into the sport. Um, and just general lack of representation in snowboarding as a whole, like in the entire industry. Um, and you know, here I had been snowboarding for a number of years, but even then, like even with snowboarding being in the Olympics and having these incredible pro female riders um, really like leveraging or like progressing the sport um, from like an everyday kind of role model. I saw very few women that were like pushing it within their own little communities and their peer groups and, and having any influence over the industry with regards to like the direction of the sport and the direction of the, the gear and the business decisions being made. And, it's just such a, it's just such a boys club, you know? Um, and, and then that, so like women snowboarding at the time was like, um, already like a niche, like, you know, really like a smaller subset of snowboarders, but you, you separate that even further with, um, female splitboarders. Um, sorry, uh, the splitboarders are, uh, a subset of snowboarding, and that's, that was like a tiny segment. And then female splitboarders, um, or even smaller within that. And so for most businesses, like, it's just not a profitable thing. It wasn't back then. And I can understand why, you know, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't much R&D being invested into women's design, because there just weren't a lot of women's split borders. So that's the problem right there is like, Let's get more women out there. Like dudes, want to see more women out there. Women want to see more women out there. Mm,
1: I want to um, see more women out there. Yeah. You know, I can. For safer. From my experience, yeah. and and for <laughs> being a dad who has three daughters who all snowboard and one who started to get involved on the competitive side, you know, at the local level, anyways, the one thing that I noticed every season was there's was always so few girls in yeah. competitions. Yeah there was never in fact my daughter enjoyed the fact that she podiumed a lot because she was one of three <laughs> girls in the entire competition which i thought was really sad you know i mean i mean why is it why is it that there's so many more guys than there are girls hitting it out there um, yeah. but but i'm seeing more and more as the it's years changing. progress yeah, we're we're definitely sure. getting more and more girls out there i know we're always super stoked to get more girls involved and and get them on the hill and and get them riding, but yeah, there is always so many more guys and is it because guys have uh these huge egos and just need to be videotaped and pictures taken and, and always being pumped that sense you know and and girls are a lot uh, a lot more muted on that sense they just like to get out and ride and don't really need to be photographed and videoed as much
0: i I don't know um I do think it I do think there's like a big psychological um explanation for this and like just like the you know as like as girls are developing and the you know they're they maybe well one thing they like they find other interests and sports like it's proven sports um for adolescent girls um like there's a huge decline in um girls participation in sports as they hit puberty and um And I think there's a confidence issue as well. Um, And that stems back to this like kind of psychological explanation. And, um, uh, but I'm, I'm really hopeful with companies like palace and uh, coalition snow. That's also doing women's skis and snowboards. Um, And soft goods, uh, like apparel companies. And then on the mountain bike side, like suddenly in the last couple of years, we've had so many more women starting their own kind of well, their own business within that sports within the outdoor sports category. And they're inviting more women to come into the sport. And we're like, we're giving girls and we're giving women opportunities to try something new, get out of their comfort zone and test their courage and their confidence um in a way that's really supportive and I think that's really been lacking in the industry as a whole and um, you know it it maybe like it maybe sounds like a weird or like it maybe sounds like we're pandering to to women but I don't I don't think that's the case at all I think you know for so long the snowboard industry has just always catered to this really Um, testosterone driven like masculine driven (laughs) vibe and i mean you laugh but it's it's true no no we're laughing because because it is
4: true true. because it is is true
0: and and i think that's a total mess i and i I, even for men i don't think that men want to be spoken to like that all the time um that i really believe that you know as humans and and now, in the last couple of years, especially this year, we've been more open uh, as a culture about having more kind of like fluidity within our identities, and I think that's you know however you want to interpret that and, and express that. Um, I think we all exist with a little bit of feminine and a little bit of masculine within ourselves, Absolutely. no matter who you are, mm-hmm. yep. and. So that has been a really key thing that we at Palace have really tried to embrace is like, we want to go stand on top of really incredible mountains and we want to we want bust our ass to get up there and we want to be uncomfortable. But we also want to do this in a way that's safe and welcoming and encouraging. Um, and then we want to go shred some sick pow and like have mm, the time of our bad. life. And, and then looking too beyond, beyond like that, just being on a mountain. Um, you know, I think for women, like the snowboard culture really kind of influences our lifestyle. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I think you could say that regardless of gender, but, um, you know, how can we, how can we then like live that, um, that lifestyle with a bit more balance of, like, feminine, masculine energy in everything that we do that involves the snowboard, splitboard lifestyle. <clears throat> so I think that's where we really bring in something different, is, like, we don't build our boards differently with any, like, unicorn hair in our core or anything like that, because women don't need... Did you just
2: say unicorn hair in your... Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, so duh, bad. isn't that... Like oh, that's pixie what dust makes a Yeah, dust? that's what makes a women's board a women's board, right? Is like the um the leprechaun <laughs> pot of gold Like <laughs> you know, there's gotta be something special about it. I never
1: about, thought about it like
2: that. <laughs> I never thought
0: about like it like that. it's not the construction itself that makes a women's boring i always thought
1: that okay so yeah so i want to touch on that
2: because that's what you make i thought the core i imagine like, you, you make some shavings to the core a little bit thinner little, i always thought we had yeah. this we had discussed we had this discussion leading up to your podcast and we talked about it. he's like what makes it specific and i'm like well i think women have smaller shoot smaller feet so therefore more side cut women's uh, distribution of their weights different. Their body position, like their parts, center of gravity, center of gravity is different. Yeah, like uh, girls, like I said before, they predominantly stick out their butts more than men do when they ride. It's just the way women's bodies are, right? Hips. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But it definitely makes there's differences. And, and yeah, tell us what what do you do?
1: Yeah, is oh. there anything <laughs> in the technology or the build of the board? And maybe yeah. you already answered this question. I'm sorry if no, you did. But no, um, yeah, good. I'm just kind of curious. Is there anything different that you do? Because we're I, no Sorry, I, I apologize, to cut you up. No, okay. <laughs> just because I'm looking at the boards <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking sizes right away, right? And so I'm yeah. looking at the boards and I'm looking at the sizes. And I'm like, okay, so it looks like the shortest board in the line is a 147 and the longest is a 155. And if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. Nope,
0: you're good. Okay. Um, well, okay, so yeah, sizes, yeah, that like that's probably the noticeable difference with women's gear and with our gear um, is the sizing, um, but also like women aren't six, seven men or six foot
1: or like- <laughs> So you know, well, hold on, not- so
2: what are you saying? Because I'm only five foot six, I'm not a man?
1: <laughs> so, so, no, Chad, so So the funny thing between Chad and I is Chad, Chad would fit on a palace board really no, nicely actually. No problem, I have size eight feet. Oh, yeah. Oh my God! Perfect. Where I'm, I'm six foot. I wear a size twelve shoe, and I weigh over two hundred pounds. So
0: yeah. So um, okay. Well, let me. Yeah, let me talk about like the construction itself. I mean, at the heart of it, we're not using any different materials. We're using um, poplar cores, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty universal core for most manufacturers. Um, However, if you're a big guy like Burton, who has you know, a hundred different snowboards in their lineup and right. they have the R and D and ability and, and the
3: um, manufacturing, <laughs>
0: manufacturing. And then like the customer demographics too, to, to be able to cater to a lot of different styles of riders. Um, Like not everybody is going to want a stiff or like a really like high performance women's board. Um, and I can understand for maybe a beginner's board, you do want it lighter and, um, and easier to turn. So that the best way to, um, to manipulate that is to change your core material. And that's where things like honeycomb cores can come in Mm -hmm. where you're keeping some kind of integrity to the core, but you've then got these holes, the honeycomb holes in the core to lighten it up. Um, or you've got, um, uh, like a more integrated core with different materials using you know a little bit of bamboo, a little bit of cardboard, probably not cardboard, but <laughs> um, I can't think of what are some other <laughs> materials here, but you get the idea, like well, you, 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 experimenting with different core materials.
2: Right. And you can also put rubber, rubber dampening uh, strips along the sides and along the toe and edge. Uh, I know we used to, we used to, at Kuspor, we used to put a, I don't even know what the material was, but anyways, like a rubber dampening along the edges and around the front to stop that chatter, to absorb a lot of that energy. Right.
0: Yeah. I I mean, we, we do that in our boards too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's pretty common as well. Again, when you're like, uh, when you're pressing a board, you want to have that damping tape
3: Mm
0: -hmm. on as many, um, kind of contact points with the metal edge as possible to really eliminate some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then there's different things with your fiberglass construction. There's biac construction Mm -hmm. or triaxle is kind of the common one. So that's like a kind of a three, well, uh, like three different weaves of, of fiberglass. Yeah. Um, And then you can have some carbon inlay with that. Um, And that all, the, the,
2: the price of the board starts to skyrocket. With that kind of good uh, stuff in it,
0: yeah, it can. I mean, especially if it's like touted as all carbon. Yeah. Um. Uh, but that carbon is definitely it's going to add some stiffness, and we in our in some of our boards we absolutely use that triaxle carbon woven fiberglass. Um. So again, like we're not using these special materials. Um. I think what's special about our boards is the design in that we are sensitive <clears throat> and designed to uh design with respect to women's kind of typical foot size boot size mm-hmm. um because unlike you know a co-ed snowboard or a men's snowboard um typically that like the waist width is is wide mm-hmm. and too wide of a board and you're not going to be able to turn it
1: you're not having fun oh I mean, no you're riding a plank but yeah, you're not having right
0: fun. Uh, on the flip side you know where women's snowboard design has been pegged for many years is well let's make it well let's make it small and narrow and then you start you know if you make it too small and too narrow which for me you know at five seven with nine and a half women's boots was like always the case i'd always get toe drag on women's boards but even more so like good luck trying to jump or get air or do a little side hit or drop a cliff you're just you're gonna land and you're gonna wash out Mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to yeah Yeah. and so that in itself just simply having a narrow waist to your snowboard is is hindering women's progression right there absolutely um that's so that's
2: what i was hitting on we were talking about women-specific snowboard stuff. That's all I could think of because Darren's like, what makes yeah. the construction any different? You change the core, or you change this, the stiffness. And I was like, he's like, yeah. he was being the devil's advocate and he is getting <laughs> me in the corner. And that was good because it got out like, yeah, maybe just the side cut. It's my role. The Side cut would be good. And that's, yeah, I agree with you. That's definitely an important because then you get, with more side cut, you get more fun. You can turn in the POW and... You can also make things set back more for a power specific. So you can actually like when you hit those cliffs, drop the drop the drops, you're not just gonna nose your nose isn't gonna submarine, you're gonna actually float. Right. Like that one with the heart carved out, like that thing's yeah. pretty damn the cool. The zeitgeist. Yeah. The who?
1: The zeitgeist, that's the board. Nice, I like the name. It's hard to the say. De-
0: defining spirit of a time.
1: See? Zeitgeist. Um, yes.
0: and for us, that, that board is like the definition of women's snowboarding. Oh, that's beautiful. I like to think so. Yeah. Well, and I love the heart um, that
1: you carved yeah. out of the, uh, yeah. the yeah. tail too. That's wicked looking.
0: And it's not just for looks either. It, it actually has like a swallow oh, yeah. tail. Oh option. yeah. Oh yeah. So it helps. And, and so this also kind of speaks to some of our design ethos too. Um, you know, we, like I, I, I very much reflect back on those experiences, learning how to ride my board and pal yeah. and learning how to split board. And I, I don't want to forget how hard it was because I think those are really important moments to, um, to understand that customers that are customers and that snowboarders in general have all experienced those challenges too. And if we can find a way to make really high performance boards while also kind of making it easier to uh, like get over that learning curve of riding pow. And not be so exhausted when you're kicking your weight on your back foot and trying to keep your nose up all day. Mm -hmm. And that's where something like you know having a really uh, having a directional board with a setback stance, and then something like the Zeitgeist Swallowtail, where you don't have to work at all. What's the uh, What's the taper
2: in the front of that thing? How big is that nose?
0: Oh, it's. it is 28 nice. mil of taper.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm trying to think what the nose... I was just looking at our that's, specs last night.
1: The nose width is... In the 55, it's a 30.7. That's right. You're going to yeah. float. Nice. And the waist is 25.1. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yep. I it's funny because I was talking to my son, my 11-year-old son who's, I have an 11-month, 16-month-old as well. Yeah, 11-year-old. He rides. We took him riding power last year with us, Darren and I. And I totally forgot and I just like scooted to this fresh area it's kind of flat and he just submarined and he was so pissed (laughs) and Chad just kept going I just said fuck it no friends on pow day peace out little man (laughs) peace out little man (laughs) and I waited for him and then he got to the bottom he's like you ditched me I'm like it's cause you didn't like your board's not right like you all I can say
1: is if looks could kill Chad was dead I was dead yeah
2: <laughs> listen that's how you learn right That's how you learn but we're gonna get him a specific more specific uh specific board this year because it, it makes a huge difference even at that age so you can enjoy pie like he doesn't even like pie he's yeah. like i don't want to go ride pie with you i'm like yeah because he'll be swimming but we're gonna <laughs> fix that
1: right
0: Jeez. did you guys ever get caught up in that um like i only need one board for everything uh, era of snowboarding.
1: that's a great topic because <laughs> i kind of just touched on this with a friend of mine the other day we were you know, he was listening to the podcast and he's, you know, he had mentioned about the whole quiver mentality and he's, he's more like, I'm more like that one board kind of guy right now. You know, yes. listen, if I can <laughs> own them all, I want them all. I want to try them <laughs> all because 13 I do, I do notice a difference. So Huge. I don't have quite the quiver that Chad has. I've got four boards, but you know, and one of them is my split board, but I certainly do notice a difference between every shape and every size. And and the directionals versus the twin tips, you know, and and how they ride. And I do think, for myself, if I can have a different board for for every different condition, then I definitely want to go that way. I want to take take advantage of the technology yeah, that goes into the no board question. to ride those specific conditions. No question. Mm-hmm. Well, he wrote yeah.
2: he wrote a fish for the first time last winter last season with me and he was just like whoa
1: yeah my my go-to powder board in my quiver has been this uh, you know this Lib Tech, uh birdman 170 and that's been the thing that i ride when it's when it's deep pow and then chad chad was like here take this uh take this fish for a drive and i took that i couldn't believe that thing it didn't feel like a 62 it felt like a 52 and it just whipped and floated and was so much fun
0: yeah so I big. wrote a I wrote a 178 a couple times this year.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. oh so
0: fucking fun. Yeah. Oh in um, deep
1: pal, of course. Yes. No. What?
0: I, I wrote it on like groomer days. Oh my god. Oh
1: well you know that too. Like my, my birdman with the rocker <laughs> and the side cut on the groomers, like it j it fucking rips. I it it carves. So I think it actually carves better. It rides better on the groomers. I enjoy it almost more on the groomers than I do. On well, the the,
0: that's kind of a fun thing that we accidentally discovered about our power board, the Zeitgeist. Um, and I think this applies for a lot of power boards actually, but it, they're very well constructed mm-hmm. for a groomer day, like yep. like that perfect corduroy day. And yes. so I'm really like pushing for that to have people um, have like to build out a quiver and have your powder board. Like, like. sorry, I shouldn't.
4: No, no that's give right. right. A giver. big E. <laughs> fucking I mean, fucking
2: yeah. A. Fucking
3: Hey, there you go. <laughs> <right. Get> <laughs> oh, Canadian, um, like, eh? Yeah.
1: I love Chad's um, like, Giver. Fucking A. Fucking swear, <laughs> eh? Love it. Look,
3: look,
0: look, look, look. There you go. Bob and Doug. <laughs> um, that I want people to build out their quiver and like, yeah, treat yourself to that, mm-hmm. that power board. And then, you know, it just so happens that a board like the Zeitgeist, you can get double duty from it and get more versatility out of your snowboard investment by shredding it on those primo corduroy days when you're waiting for the next storm. Um, yeah and but, it's also yeah. good to
2: get out there and learn how that board turns. Like I I've, yeah. I have a plethora I got you know I got 12, 12 13 snowboards and if I don't ride them on you know the local resort or on groomers, try the different ones. I usually bring two to three boards every time I go out riding. When you do get it in the pow, you just don't know how it's going to turn, how it reacts or how it reacts in the flats, And so you're going ripping across the cat track to get speed, right? Like you need to get in you try your boards out. Like you have to.
0: Totally.
2: I had some that I left for 10, 5 years in a bag. It's like abuse. Yeah, it
0: is. Oh. <laughs> did she open up the bag and they were like all the boards were wet because they've been crying <laughs> from abuse and neglect no,
2: they
1: were dry because i didn't wax them back then you <laughs> didn't can the base can them <laughs> so so steph can we talk about the artwork on your boards They're because nice. it's pretty oh, yeah. cool artwork it so is. there's some Thanks. some cool stuff like who's designing that and what is there any meanings behind all the rays of light oh. coming out of the the antlers and it's absolutely
0: absolutely there's always meaning in this artwork
1: <laughs> well I knew that though. Kind of we're asking.
0: um no yeah thanks I I'm really stoked on on hearing feedback on our top sheets because I've always loved our artwork and um I'm I'm really proud of of the top sheets that you're currently looking at right now we're we'll be launching new artwork uh for this coming winter Um, but we've actually kept the artwork right now for the last three seasons. Um, yeah, we're a small company and Mm -hmm. we don't have the budget to swap our art and pretty much team of, uh, two people. One of which me does a lot of the creative work. So I'm always like strapped to the last minute to do everything. And I can't imagine, uh, doing new artwork every year, but anyway, that's a side note. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, so with this artwork, we, um, we found a, I found a local Salt Lake illustrator named Claire Taylor who did the animal, uh, the wildlife illustrations. Okay. And I worked with a colleague, a former colleague of mine named Linka Prochaska, who's a graphic designer. Um, and then I played creative director, art director, and, um, um, so using Claire's artwork, Lincoln and I pieced everything together to tell a bit of a story. Um, and, you know, we really wanted to bring some beautiful illustration and artwork and, and colors into our boards, um, uh, which we've always kind of aimed to do. Um, but yeah, this the story it was, uh, of the artwork there's for, anyone who hasn't seen our artwork we've got these utah wildlife illustrations so like some magpies and coyotes and elk um and then kind of juxtaposed with deep sea creatures that are kind (laughs) of wound around some people's hands yeah Um, i was looking at that
1: i was gonna ask you about that okay go on um there's like
0: rays of Rays of light, like laser guns mm-hmm. coming out of like the elk horns, which that doesn't really have any meaning, but, um, kind of the ultimate story is like the, um, sort of like man-made versus handmade. Um, and like we're surrounded by these familiar Utah wildlife animals, but, you know, a few hundred, a uh, few thousand miles away are all these deep sea creatures and, um, just this idea that, You know, we can explore a lot of things in our um, local kind of environment, but sometimes we're more infatuated by the things that we don't really know, Mm -hmm. like deep sea creatures, hence why there's a human hand kind of meddling with those deep sea creatures. Um, uh, And then like the colors were all inspired by the Wasatch sunsets, the Glow suns- sunsets. Oh,
1: beauty. All right. Um,
0: but in Salt Lake, we've got really bad pollution problems. Uh, and at times we can be some of, uh, like we can have the worst pollution in the world. Um, really? And when that happens, you um, get like these awful air quality alerts and you're kind of told not to go play outside. Um, so every board has like a contrasting kind of slimy toxic looking color. And that's like a little zinger at the air quality in our beloved Uh, hometown of Salt Lake city.
2: It's deep. You're just, everything's deep.
0: deep. Uh, Deep I I just like getting deep, preferably in (laughs) (laughs) Pow.
1: So, you know, here's an interesting little thing, you know, when I was reading off uh, what Wikipedia says palace means, um, one of the meanings on there was that uh, it's a crater on the Earth's moon. Oh! And I notice on every board graphic you got the moon. it looks like the moon. Is that... Oh. Yeah. Huh. Like on the zeitgeist at the bottom it looks like... Is that the moon? Is that supposed to be the moon?
3: I have no idea. And um, then no.
1: on the epiphany the same thing at the bottom and then on the hedonist it's on the nose. Anyways, pretty nice. cool. I thought that that kind of worked out. Wow! <laughs> totally, we
0: totally thought that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes, we did. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. Right. So let's get into a little bit about your snowboarding, pow, backpack, your Avi experience. Have you had Let, any avalanches? Let's before let's we jump
1: road. there, Chad. Let's ease oh, into gosh. it. What kind of touring? <laughs> what kind of touring do you like to do?
0: Uh, I like easy, approachable, like daily
1: tours you're not into um, big huge gigantic spines that's and why she stays alive <laughs> happy joy pow. I, happy joy I, that
0: i'm is sure crazy. i would like it to do bigger bigger trips and bigger missions um and so i feel kind of like a little bit lame or tame compared to wiggles who was just on your podcast he's like chronically out there just Having the killing. time of
1: his life. He's a unicorn amongst <laughs> split borders, I think. he is an awesome dude for sure. And oh, he is... Uh, killing it. I love how he's out there getting it every month. But come on, let's be real. Like, we can't all do what we want to do <laughs> like Mike does. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. I guess we can. Yeah. If we really wanted it, we could get it and we could do it. But uh, but yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same. Listen, as long as I'm on snow and I'm sliding and I get to put it back together and slide down, I'm cool. It doesn't have to be big. You know, bigger, yeah. bigger runs are a little more fun sometimes than the short ones. And then you got to tour back up and you only got like uh, a five minute ride down. But if you can get longer, great. Right? Totally. So.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I like the easy stuff just because it, it just fits into my life better. You know, yeah. like I'm not much of a planner <laughs> and Uh, I know those big trips, bigger, bigger objectives require a bit more planning and I, and I don't really have the time for that. So I like knowing that I can just zip out of my, my back door and, um, you know, depending on whose, uh, house I'm crashing at in the winter, like (laughs) literally, literally ski touring right from the front door or back door. So
1: you're, you're in Roslyn for the summer and you're in SLC for the winter. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. when you say backdoor, is that like um, for the majority of your touring is in Salt Lake City or that area or Utah? Yep.
0: Um, I've I've had the fortune of staying at Alistair's cabin in uh, Big Cottonwood Canyon in sweet. the winter. Sweet. sweet, um, sweet. And I do some caretaking while there, you know, he's got a house down in, in the valley. And, um, you know, when he comes up on the weekends with his family, I... Go find another place to stay.
1: Um. <laughs> He's like, grab your tent and get out. <laughs> Thanks but for there,
0: literally, yeah. there literally is backcountry right outside the cabin. Um, nice. So for you know, for me, like between doing like working on Palace during the day, and then I I still have a freelance business that I that actually pays my bills. Um, so I'm I'm still working, you know, a full time. Job And I'm often working seven days a week, especially when it's like prime event season right. in winter.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so for me, those kind of easy tours are more, they're one part like necessity because I just don't have time for something bigger. Um, but also just after a full day of working, I, I, I want to get outside and I want to go exercise and be in the mountains and, you know, take a couple pow turns. Um, but I just don't have like the mental energy to go do something bigger. So I find myself doing a lot of the smaller tours and, um, but yeah, nothing wrong with that. Love no, it.
2: No, as long as you're getting some pilots, all that matters. And what's yeah. particularly in your backpack, what's some of the things that you pack on your day to go out?
0: Uh, I was have my first aid kit. Um, even if I'm by myself, you just never know. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Let's see. I've got my micro puff. Um, I've got water. Obviously, oh, snacks. That's an important one.
2: What's some of the snacks <laughs> um, you enjoy? That's always very important. My,
0: my favorite is uh, uh, a, uh, a new take on an old classic Peanut called Peanut Butter the and Jam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sandwich. So what's your
1: new take on the sandwich i am curious okay so i'm kind of <laughs> is like it a women specific sandwich no, <laughs> <just a>
0: specific <laughs> sandwich we put unicorn hair that's right <laughs> um so i'm like a part-time glutard so i, I take two gluten-free ego waffles Glutar. or like toaster waffles whatever um toast those up uh i'll fry up an egg and um depending on what i got in my fridge maybe some bacon cake avocado um and smash that all together with the the toaster waffles and maybe spread like again depending on what i got in my fridge like some goat cheese (laughs) so like melts into the little like oh god it's so good i love it and then a little bit of maple syrup for the old like Canadian. I was
1: waiting for you, you know. to say that. I was so <laughs> waiting for you to maple say that. Syrup, I yeah. love it.
0: Oh man, it is the best breakfast sandwich, even when you're not touring. But then, you know, like snacks taste so much better when you're actually touring. So this is like everything
1: does. Everything oh, tastes man. better in the mountains, man. Everything does. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: yeah. I want to come touring with Steph. I want a Steph uh, sandwich. Hell yeah. <laughs> kitchen, kitchen sink. <laughs> I love it. Ah, I love it.
0: Kitchen sink sandwich.
1: That's cool. So, so that's your food choice. What's your water choice? Is it a bottle? Is it a bladder? What's the thing? Um,
0: you know, I usually do a, a bottle, like a Nalgene of water, um, but then also a thermos of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, go figure. I never end up drinking the Nalgene because I'm always cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always think I got to hydrate a lot when I'm touring and I never remember to do yeah, that yeah. Um, yeah so usually tea uh, sometimes like some apple like hot apple cider uh, what else have I done in the past um, uh, Al- like Alice just kind of turned me on to uh, making a little thermos of miso like hot oh, no. miso oh
1: yeah I like the miso. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I love that idea cause...
1: a little bit of seaweed. But now, like I'm, tofu, I'm yeah. doing the math, and I'm like, the bag's getting heavy. We got Darren. a thermos of tea. We got I a thermos know. of miso. We got an algina water.
0: Oh no, I don't do like all the. You
1: know,
0: <laughs> it's like tea or <laughs> or
1: miso. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a lot, of, yeah. a lot of thermoses. Yeah, I like that. I'm, the I'm, miso I think idea. I'm
0: notorious though for overpacking my bag. Though. Oh, then yeah. I always bring up a camera. No, yeah, mostly. So like I've got a, a Canon uh, Mark uh, what do I have a 5D Mark II, so kind of an older camera, but it you know then I'm like oh I got to take out a couple lenses so that adds maybe like seven <laughs> pounds. Um, and what else do I bring? Um,
1: so is that an SLR? That camera is that like? Yeah. It is. Oh man. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, those like newfangled like mirrorless cameras though are kind of appealing um yeah. they're a lot lighter they take really good quality photos
1: um yeah i'm so yeah. out of date with what what there is for cameras because ever since smartphones iPhone? came out i've always just carried iPhone. a phone and use that <laughs> you know it used One to be like a pack right? i had the uh the olympus like you could beat it up and drown it type camera which was always good for that kind of stuff and uh yeah, and then just to the phone. So I, I used to be the SLR SLR guy, you know, back in the old days when it was film cameras. But uh, yeah, yeah, cool. I,
0: I do also like taking my my phone as my camera too, and I've got a a hit case, which is like a yeah. waterproof yeah. case, and you can buy some separate lenses that right. that are magnetic that attach to the uh, to the camera. Um, so you've got like a wide angle and a fish eye
2: does it make much of a difference on your phone though does it i've never used uh, it
0: in in terms of the quality image quality of the photos i I think it looks banger it looks really good
1: cool good to know
0: yeah um and you know when you take a photo standing on top of a mountain like with your phone you could just never quite get in the whole like Mm -hmm. scenery because there's so many damn mountains out there (laughs) like you can't fit them all in one photo so this like doing the extra wide angle lens you just get this beautiful scenery of what's around you
1: that's wicked. Yeah, I'm always disappointed when I look at my pictures afterwards and like, man, <laughs> it never looks the same as it was up there. <laughs> and then just recently, I found this app that shows you when you're up top. As long as you have cell signal, um, mm. it will show you like all those peaks that you see in the distance and you don't know which mountains they are. It'll actually put little labels on them
0: oh, in the cool.
1: background, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think those like touring apps like that. Um, there's one. Um... The Wasatch Backcountry um, map um, is, is like kind of the go-to map for Salt Lake writing. Uh, and they came out with like this incredible app where it just, yeah, I, I, I find that I, I really can appreciate these, these Backcountry maps on your phone when you're, you're touring on, on one hand, it does make it a lot, Easier for people to just get out there, which is kind of a buzzkill when you're hoping to keep your little stash secret. But yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it's also great, like just the technology that we can start bringing into splitboarding and backcountry and um, how they kind of complement each other. It's anymore. there's such
1: a there's such a boom on that stuff right now, right? Like with mm-hmm. um, man, I keep seeing these things on Facebook, like Strava, you know, like and people are touring and they're either they're mountain biking or cycling or running or whatever, you know, they've got some kind of app that maps it out, shows them all the specs on what they just did, and then it can share it all on Facebook, right? And so everybody can see what you're out there doing. But mm-hmm. but it's interesting because uh, one of the tours I did early on, split boarding, um, we went to an area that's not very popular for that, I guess, or there's, you know, it's not really well known. And we got out there and we ran into a lone skier who was, who was hitting the stuff. And then we, we met him at the top and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, my son and I come out here all the time and we've never seen anybody else out here. He's like, how did you guys find out about this? So we just simply said, you know, a friend of ours, friend of ours gave us the map and, and described it. He looked at us and he nodded and he went, yeah, burn that map. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't disagree. You know, I love the, you know, I certainly don't want to see it get pounded by, by everybody as well, but. Not too worried about it. There's not enough people in this region who are going out and looking for that kind of stuff. So there's always still some good stuff out there.
0: Totally. I think that's like I don't know. The people who are already into get into the backcountry and into snowboarding, ski touring, whatever. Um, you know, there's there's definitely that gripe of like oh, the the backcountry is getting too popular and. And maybe I'm just a little jaded because the Wasatch, like, there's a reason it's lovingly nicknamed Los Angeles.
3: Um, oh yeah, <laughs> because
0: it's so uh, dense, dense. Like, yeah, a lot of traffic in the backcountry, and so you get people that are, you know, grumpy about others getting to their zones and their spots. But it's like, well, you got in, you got into the sport because you love the, you know, the solitude. Like, you
1: can't go be a greedy further, about further. Yeah, and you're, yeah, yeah. Get a little, like, go a little further. True. Like, or, if
0: that's what brought you there in the first place, is exploring. Like, just go exactly, explore somewhere exactly. or else.
1: Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure you you get to see the difference between where you summer and where you winter, right? Like, yeah, for you, sure. You know where yeah. where you're summering. I mean, yeah, Roslyn is well known for Red Mountain and all that good stuff, and what's in the backcountry, but. Um, but you still don't see the same crowds that you do when you're down in the Wasatch, I'm sure. Right. Just simply due to the, the density of population and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, even like dawn patrolling, you know, like that, I don't know who invented dawn patrolling, but there's a good case for it to have existed in Salt Lake early on, because again, the, the convenience, the, the access is so easy right Mm -hmm. from downtown. Right. You know, you can be, on the trailhead, um, you know, boots on everything, um, 45 minutes after you leave your house. Um, so for people who are very ambitious and love a dark start, (laughs) um, the, yeah, the whole idea of dawn patrolling, um, I think was really appealing for people who wanted to get to work on time. Um, right. now you've yeah, got, exactly. now you've got, now you've got people who are dawn patrolling the dawn patrollers. Right. And so, <laughs> and so you got like the Alpine start, which is like 2am. Yeah. And and it's like, Holy, like, Holy shit, people. And you just like, <laughs> take some, I don't know. What one up like, and one up. <laughs> yeah. Always, always, always. I'm, I'm not a dark start kind of person. I was, Thinking about this earlier this morning. <laughs> like, that she says? <laughs> talking yeah. to this podcast, I can't even wake up when it's dark outside. My
1: waffle sandwich ain't ready yet. <laughs> I need time to put that together, and then I'll
0: get up. Seriously. Awesome. Oh <laughs> man, awesome. I need my one hour to drink my coffee, and then like another half an hour just to sit yeah. and stare at the wall.
1: You know what? I'm I'm very much like you when it comes to the mornings like that too. I like to I like to mosey into the morning. That's for sure. I mean, I wake up pretty spry, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't feel like I need to get after it right away. But um, but when it does come to the tours, I do like to get out there and start early in the day. And and you know, the earlier I start, the earlier I get to go home and and chill and relax and and take it easy. So yeah, yeah, that's to fair. each his own, right? To each his own. <laughs> that's so, fair. So what's uh what's on the horizon, Steph? What's new for Steph? Yeah, what's what's coming down the road for Palace? Palace? Anything you can Anything you can leak or. You want to pump right now? (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it's safe to say that we're rebranding. So we're going to be coming into this winter with a whole new look, Um, not just graphics, but like a whole new brand. and I'm really, really excited about that.
1: Name too, or is the name going to stay?
0: No, same name. Um, but too much history there.
1: Come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
0: know. No, just giving ourselves a a new look and feel, you know, and, um, it's time. Like we, this is going to be our seventh winter. Um, sweet. And seven year each time to, uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Like we've learned a lot in our first six years and, um, we feel like we are really getting the traction that we've wanted and we're kind of just ready to step up our game and yeah. So along with that, um, I've been working hard to kind of build up a, um, a team of lady rippers, mm-hmm. um, uh, and some ambassadors. So I hope to provide, you know, the world with more content that's not just, shot by me <laughs> um <laughs> and actually like have people out there connecting with more women um again it's not just me uh because so for so long all these events and and just talking with people have it's all kind of fallen on me to to do that and and palace is much more than me you know it never was really about me it's always been about kind of us um as as women in the sport and uh it's time to give palace some new voices so nice. um, really excited about that uh we're redoing our website so chad i know you like the scrolly photos but we're you know <laughs> just gonna give be me the give me the code i want that on yourself, just <laughs> brace yourself um well,
2: well,
3: that's good oh, that's good you need to make some
2: changes it's always good I, like seven years is definitely a good time yeah freshening yeah.
1: things up yeah. and then yeah. uh Definitely getting the stoke bigger on. I mean, I know you're a women-specific brand, but uh, yeah, getting some more people involved and and getting the um, uh, the demographic. Sorry to say that word. I guess I don't know. But but, you know, I I love I love when um, you know women-specific events. Even you know, and getting more women together and and you know getting them together and just kind of learning and exploring together I think is great you know for
0: sure I think that's going to be tough this year with COVID um we've really um been proactive with events in the past and doing clinics and tours for women but this year I think it, it I don't know what's going to happen we're still trying to figure it all out um so I I hope that there's going to be some opportunities to still get the community together, even if it's in an online capacity, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that that element of like having your community is really powerful and really important, especially for backcountry users, where we all thrive in that environment and like we keep ourselves safe when we have a good community um, supporting us.
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, this has been great. This is awesome. Uh, I'm so happy you took the time to talk with us today about Palace and, and dig deep and find out a little bit about you. And it's awesome. I'm really excited about having this conversation and definitely seeing if we can talk again in the future, maybe get you guys to, get us to not necessarily demo your board. Well, I'd try one. Why not? Never. Hell Netflix yeah. Graphics. Um, <laughs> I got the little feet. I can do it. So yeah. Where, where, yeah. Can, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, hit us up at palace snowboards.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Or I'd like to say, give us a follow on Instagram. Um, same just palace snowboards. Uh, we aren't super active on there, but again, hoping to kind of change that this year. Um, but, um, definitely sign up for our newsletter because we are going to be running some like subscriber only sales this year. Selling our boards on our website. So if you want to be in the know and get in on that deal, you're going to have to sign up.
1: Sweet. And you have a summer sale going on right now on your site, I see.
0: Yeah, we're going to be doing um, a pre season sale pretty soon, too, uh, for next year's boards. Oh, you sound Um, like uh,
2: Ken Ockenbach says that because snowboards should be sold cheaper to the guys who buy, people who buy earlier. People yeah. who buy later in the year should pay more because they didn't get the... They're not as oh. stoked. Kind of like Connor. a season's past. And he's like... Hey, what did I do? Yeah, and he's like, um, that's
1: maybe why I don't have a snowboard shop anymore. <laughs> 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 oh, wait, wait, well, well, you know, you got to bring on the stoke and Anyways. get people on. It's all good. That's cool, Steph. Thanks <laughs> Thank so, you so much. much for joining us. We appreciate us. your yeah, time today. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you guys, thanks for letting me rattle my mouth. It's been Anytime. awesome chatting with you guys. Anytime, awesome.
1: yeah. We'll have to follow up with the new stuff down the road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's try this winter.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Killer. That's
2: the plan. All right, Steph, thanks a lot.
0: Right on, guys. Thanks so Take much. Take care. Have Peace. A day. Bye.
1: Sweet, Steph. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Like always, you can learn more about Steph in the show notes. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast to find out when our next episodes are dropping and to share your sweet picks and vids. Also, if you're enjoying our content, please rate and review the show and share us with all your buds. Don't miss our next episode where we talk with John Keffler and Alex Gelb of Phantom Snow Industries. Shout out to Scott Martin at Groundswell Marketing Podcast and Pat C for helping to make all of this happen. Peace, everybody.